Well, good morning. Welcome to Mariners Community Church. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors, and it is great to see you. Um, we survived the great blackout of uh, 2019. Um, I hope you made it through okay, and it's good to see you here. We did service kind of in the dark last weekend, um, but it was. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether we have lights or power or whether we have... Um, a good message or not, it's all good, right? It's all, it's all, it's all going to be, it's, it's all good because um, um, God is here. Um, hey, I found that there is uh, one thing that we uh, have in common here, all of us have in common, apart from being alive, and that is we, we want to make life work. Isn't that true? I mean, all of us, we would like to make life work. In fact, it, it, it's to our benefit when things are going well. Um, I, I want my car to work, I want relationships to work, I want the lights to work, you know, I want that to happen, and job, and school, and, and friends. And, and we're all realistic enough to know that they, always, they don't always work the way we would want. I mean, I know that, and, and you know that too, power goes out, businesses close, um, traffic uh, will be bad. I want things to work, but sometimes there are things that are just beyond our control. Um, we had a baptism last weekend, and, and we have our baptisms here. There's three options. One is in the harbor, you know, with the, with the water that's um, subarctic. Um, it's up there. And then we have a, uh, a, a tank we have here, or sometimes people will say, I have a hot tub. And you can, those are my favorites, by the way, when they do hot tub baptisms. But I was... Uh, the, the, um, the wonderful folks who were getting baptized last weekend wanted in the harbor, and so I was driving up. And... I, you know, I was having all kinds of happy thoughts because baptism is a great thing. It is a person making a public declaration that Jesus is my Savior. This is my life now. I mean, this is, this is for to me to live as Christ, and I want to I show that to the world. And, and, and I noticed that as I was driving north from Half Moon Bay up, up to the harbor, um, um, those that were driving south included everybody in the whole state of California. They just... <laughs> I had never seen anything quite like that before. North, north was wide, wide open, and um, they were not moving, and they had no hope of moving. And I had two thoughts. I had two thoughts as I was driving north. First one was those poor saps. You know, they're in it for a long time. The second thought is, in about 35 minutes, guess what? <laughs> yeah, I wanted them. And, 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 you know, then I thought, well, my third thought was I could just call them and say, just baptize yourself. It's not that hard. Just, 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 just dunk in. <laughs> but all of us, it's really true. We want life to work for us. We want things to happen so that life just gets a little bit better and a little bit easier. There's a guy who wrote this. Um, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Now, I, I, I wish... I could write that again and again and again and again. I, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I'd love to be able to say that, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be able to say that? that? Um, he knows how to make actually life, life work well. I would love it when I'm stuck on traffic on Highway 1 and say I'm content here, or when the power shuts down, I'm, I'm, I'm content here, or when work isn't going well, I'm, con I'm content here, or when my relationships are falling apart or not going the way I should, that to be able to say, I'm content here. I'm content here with my circumstances. Notice he says, I have learned. I have learned. 
And that means it doesn't come natural to us. Contentment is not something that just simply we're all, all, all born with. It means that there has to be something that happens for us to grow in it and, and learn in it. We're in a series that we're calling More Than Enough because the Bible says that we have more actually not only enough for life and living and joy, but more than enough for that, more than enough. And here it comes, whether life is or isn't going the way I planned, God has given me more than enough for life, joy, peace, and contentment. Now, <clears throat> the thing is, is, is I have to ask the question, how do I get that, those things, when life isn't going the way I planned? How do I learn to be content? And that's what I want to spend a few moments talking about this morning. So let, let me take a second and just pray for the next couple moments. Can we pray together? God, thank you for what the Bible says, what your word says, and how your spirit works within us to help us grasp these things and give me the right words to say right now, the right things to share. In Jesus' name, we ask this. Amen. Now, now look at these words again, if we can, okay? I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. And, and, and you, you want to think that they were written by a guy who's maybe got a condo in Cancun or is vacationing in Hawaii and has great views and great meals and no traffic, you know, and has power and all that. Um, and a guy who's able to pay his bills and life is going well and his retirement is fully funded. You would think all those things that we think would give us a contented life um, would be there. The cool thing about the Bible is that it wasn't written in a vacuum. They were, it was written by real people that were experiencing real life like you or I experience. Um, they had the ups and the downs of the things that happened day to day. Um, we're going to be doing in the next, starting last week and the next couple of weeks, we're doing what we're just simply will call a little bit of a book study. We're going to be looking through the book of Philippians in the Bible. It's a New Testament book, and it's a great book. And if you're kind of wondering what's a good book for me just simply to read, through to give me a lot of peace and joy. That's one for you is the book of Philippians. Um, Bible books were not written in vacuums, though. Um, they weren't written in, if they were written in a vacuum, it would be very uncomfortable for the writer, I would think. But anyway, it was not written in a vacuum. It was written actually in context. It was written by a guy named Paul. And his complete purpose and love in life was traveling, but not necessarily to just simply see the sights. Okay, not to see the pyramids and not to see the Colosseum and all that. He wasn't there to do that. He was called the Apostle Paul. And the word apostle means the sent one, a sent one. And he had a calling from Jesus Christ himself to go into lots of different places and begin to share the message of Christ, the message that Jesus died on a cross and that he was buried and rose again. And by faith in him, you will have a forever life, eternal life. Sins are forgiven, and, and everything will be rightly established between you and God. And he introduced God's plan to people who had never heard of him before. He'd go into a new place, and he'd connect those people. And, and then once those people were connected and were strong in their faith or firmer in their faith, he would then go to another place. Again, not to see the sights, but to do the very same thing. That's what he was doing. And he did that to this city in the Roman Empire called Philippi. And this is three little years later, he's writing a letter back to the people in Philippi. And it's called thus what? Philippians. That's what it's called, Philippians. Well, at some point in time, the brakes got locked on, on what he was doing. And 
We here pray for the persecuted church all the time. In fact, if you want to pray for the persecuted church, we're going to be meeting upstairs in the conference room up there. And after the service, just stop by for 10 minutes and, and pray. But, but at some point in time, um, the brakes on his life were locked up. And the persecution hit him. He will say in Philippians 1.13, I am cha- in chains because of Christ. He was in prison. And day after day he sits, and days, like sometimes the judicial system happens, days turn to weeks, weeks turn to months, and months turn to years. They just did. So this guy who was born a traveling man, you know, a rambling man, the guy who was born a rambling man is stuck. He's sitting, and that's all he's doing now. Well, we want to make life work. Remember, all of us want to make life work, you know? And there are sometimes circumstances that are beyond our control, that make it so it doesn't work the way we would want. And I would really think that if a guy's going to write a part of the Bible and make his full-time life talking about God, life would work for him and he wouldn't have to say I'm in chains because of Christ. Yet this is part of his process of learning how to be, what? Content in this. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And, 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 and my sometimes struggle is oftentimes... I want to say, God, I've had enough. You know, God, I've had enough. And his attitude on life, no matter what's going on, is, God, I have more than enough. More than enough. He has enough contentment and peace and joy and stability. So how do you learn to get that stuff? Um, First of all, shift your eyes or your focus off of yourself. I have to stop thinking about myself all the time. It starts out the book, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you, whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you. And what he's doing is he's shifting the focus of his life off of himself onto the care and concern of other people. Remember getting your yearbook? Remember when you got your yearbook? Um, um, uh, uh, those days back then in high school. And remember, you'd get it in the, you'd open it up to look for who or what. Who would you look at? Who? Who would you? Yourself, wouldn't you? You'd look to see yourself, you know? And then, and then the second thing you do, number one, I'd look to see who, myself. Number two, I'd look to see at how many times I was in it. Okay. And number three, I'd look for Diane Lancaster, the homecoming queen. But that's just me back, back, back then. <clears throat> Why do we do that? Why do we do that stuff? We look for ourselves first. Or, you know, you, you have a family portrait taken for your Christmas cards or, or, or whatever else. And they'll have like six different shots there. And you'll want to publicize or send out the one that makes who look the best? Yourself, right. The other, the other people could be picking their nose or doing whatever you want. It's like, but this is a good picture. This is such a good picture, you know, a good picture because it's, it's, it looks good uh, 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 of me. How come? How come so much of life is me? And look at what he's saying. I'm in prison and I'm getting stuck between a couple of guards each day. And whenever I pray, I pray, I pray for you. When I'm in stress, bad day, It's about, woe is who? Woe is me. It seems like for Paul, the guy whose life is a mess, he focuses on others and the stress goes down. He'll say this, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He's saying, man, I'm remembering who you are in Christ and what you've done. I'm thinking about all the things that God has done 
in your life and will be doing in your life. Later on, he'll, he'll say this. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. You know this. You've experienced this. The most unhealthy people you know, their life is predominantly focused on on who? On themselves. And the most healthy people, the people you like to be around with, the people that seem to have the most peace, their life is focused on what? On others. We we, We know that. We know that. And Paul learned that secret. Now he's going to move on. He's going to move on to say the secret of this contentment, this peace, is seeing God's hand in everything. And he's got great perspective on here. He says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that's happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. He's seeing God's hand in absolutely everything. Everything that he's going through, he's saying, God, I see your hand in this. I see what you're doing here. Again, Paul was writing from prison. That's where he was. He's not doing what he wanted to do. Um, prison those days, you're chained to a guard, you know, 24-7. That's kind of what they did. And he says this, and this is what he says. This is perspective, okay? He's looking at the good side of it. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. <clears throat> and his attitude is, yeah, bad stuff is going to happen, but I'm going to look at the good part of it. He's saying instead of me being traveling around the world talking about Christ, Jesus knew that there are some prison guards, that their lowly job is to be chained to prisoners, and he knew that they needed to what? Hear the message of Jesus as well. And he's saying, it's good enough for me. I'm seeing God's perspective in this particular situation. And I always think three guards a day, Paul gets chained to them. You know, you always kind of wonder who's getting chained to who, you know? that God didn't all of a sudden chain these guys to Paul because they needed life. And so the whole palace guards has figured this out. Well, the palace guard, they didn't exist, you know, in, in isolation. They began to tell maybe other guards in, 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 the, in, the, in the big place, you know, in, in Caesar's palace, not Vegas, but Caesar's palace, and it says, and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too. Here we go. Especially those <clears throat> in Caesar's household. What he's saying is this whole message of Jesus has infected in a great way Caesar's household. God knew that Caesar's household, the cousins, the brothers, servants, everyone there needed to hear it too. My perspective is so small on the me thing. And he sees it as big. Last is he changes his perspective on his purpose. Have you ever seen this on a shirt? Ever seen this on a shirt? Go ahead. Baseball's life. Ever seen those? Baseball's life. The rest is just details, you know. And when you see a kid wearing that or see an adult wearing that, you know they're really into what? Come on. Come on. They're into what? Baseball. They're into baseball. They, 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 they love baseball. There's also this one that, I, that I've seen. Basketball's life. Everything else is an interruption, okay? You know that person's really into What? Basketball. Okay, there's this one as well. Life is art. Paint your dreams. And those of you that are artists, love that. This person's really into art. This next one is, let's see if you get it. They couldn't get it last night. Without music, life would be what? B flat. B flat. There you go. This person's into music. And then I love this one. Dogs are for life. Boyfriends are for Christmas. (laughs) Isn't that good? 
And in order to be fair, in case there are any cat lovers here, there is this one. Cats are my life. Isn't that cute? Isn't that great? Go ahead. Go ahead. Hit it. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Because that's what they become. Okay. Now, if you're a kid and your sport is soccer or baseball, you think about it. You know, you, 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 you practice it. You practice it in the house. You know, I remember my mom kept saying, would you stop dribbling that ball in the house, you know? But I was doing great down the hall. In fact, I could even slam dunk over the door jam. It was an awesome thing for me because basketball was my life, you know? It was my life. If baseball is your life, you're always, you're always working on your swing, you know? You're always working on that. If art is your life then you're always working that. Your life oozes, life is this. Here's the guy that's gonna teach us how to have contentment. He had the joy, says, for me to live is what? Is Christ. For me to live is Christ. He's saying I'm into Christ. What does that mean? You know, I mean, I, 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 can, I can practice my, pa- my passes, you know, in football, around the house, you know, or to my, my kids. What does it mean for me to live as Christ? It means it captivates my life. It captivates everything. It means I see everything and everyone and every situation and every decision in light of Jesus and what he wants. In a sense, he's saying life is Jesus. Anything else is just the details. It's just the details. Remember the film Pirates of the Caribbean? Remember that? Remember the film? Yeah, you know, um, before we got tired of Johnny Depp playing weird characters. Remember that? You know, when it was... It was brand new to us. Jack Sparrow had a compass, you know, and, and, and it was a weird compass, and they all thought it was a broken compass, but um, we find out later on, where did it point? It was magic compass, and it points to what you want most, what you want most in life. And I guess the question could be raised, what do you want most in life? Right now, if you were to ask the question, what do you want most in life? What do I want? Most in, in, in life. Um, I, was, I was told when I was younger about this God stuff and this Jesus stuff. Don't be a fanatic about it. It's okay to go to church or it's okay to be a little bit religious. I don't like that term, but just don't be a fanatic about it. Um, I don't know. It seems like the person that was very fanatical about it, the Apostle Paul, is the one that's teaching me how to have joy in life and is the most content in life. It seems to me the more, quote, fanatical, and I'm not saying wacky weird, I'm just saying focused and in love with it, the one that is the most fanatical about it is the one that seems to have life the most together. For to me, he says, to live is Christ. There's another part where he says, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. He's just saying, look, this life is all about Jesus. The end of life just gets better than this. And again, I, I, I guess the oddity of these statements that he makes would seem really strange if it weren't for the fact that he teaches me how to have joy and peace and contentment in life. And so when life doesn't go the way I'm planned or or I'm stuck in traffic, or in a fight with my spouse, or the job isn't going the way it should. There's something way beyond me that's going on here. Something way beyond me. And that is God is working things out for me to live in Christ, for Christ.
we start out with something we all have in common. Um, we all want to make life what? We all want to make life work. We, we do. I do. You do as well. It doesn't always. But this is how life works, is to have God be the point of our lives, the very point of our lives. And, and, and right now, we would like to spend a few moments kind of shifting gears in this to focus on how this all happened to us. And, and worship team, would you guys come on up, please? Um, we're going to be what we would say here at Mariners, taking the Lord's Supper um, in your tradition. It may be called communion or it can be called the Eucharist. Any of those names are, are the same. You know, it means the same, same thing. And, and the point of it is in the words that Jesus gave to us when we take it. And he said, I want you to do this to, anyone know the word? Remember. It's remember. I want you to remember. And we want to say remember, remember what? And, and the remember um, is in two forms. One is bread and the other is cup. And the bread we take Jesus would say, this is my body, you remember me. What does it mean, this is my body? I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a piece of bread. What does it mean, it's his body? It means at the very core of this thing that we believe about Jesus and what God did to establish a relationship with us is that God entered into time and into space and took on human form, took on flesh and blood. God did that. And that's why Jesus said, this symbolizes, represents my body. This represents my body. And when you do this, remember I did this for you. I came down into this world. Um, didn't stop there. Jesus said, this is my blood. And when you take this, when you drink this, I want you to remember me. Well, it means that we're to remember that at the very core of our belief is that Jesus who came down and took on flesh and blood also died on a cross. He shed his blood for us. And it's because the wage of sin or the penalty or the payment for sin is death. And God's great gift for us is that Jesus took that penalty on himself. On himself. So we don't ever have to pay for our sins. We don't ever have to do that. Ever. Ever. And Jesus said when you do this, remember Remember, I died for you. And the worship team, they're going to be playing a song, and, and as they're playing, get your, kind of your head, your mind, your heart, all aligned with this. And when you're ready um, to come forward, come and take the elements, the bread and the cup, and go back to your seat and hold on to them. We like to take together as a family, it's kind of a family meal here. But maybe some of you are here and making sense for the first time. You know, you're thinking you've got to pay for all your sins and you're so guilt-ridden that it's killing you. We're here to say uh, that's the old way of doing things. You don't have to pay for it. It was paid for. And maybe you're saying, I believe this. I want to believe this. Let me pray and then they're going to they're gonna sing and then we're going to take and we'll get this thing going. Would you pray with me, please? <clears throat> Um, just would you be here this morning and you have never ever uh, by faith accepted or believed or grasped onto that you don't have to pay for your sins anymore because Jesus did. 
If that's your heart decision right now, boy, that's awesome. Maybe you're saying, I, I believe this. I want this forgiveness for me. I want this. God bless you for that. What a great faith step you're taking. God paid for it all because he loves you so much. He would do nothing less for you. And maybe you're taking these elements for the first time as a follower of Jesus. Or maybe, maybe you've stepped away from this and you're saying, I'm not even worthy to come up and, and take the elements. Well, none of us are, so that's okay. And you're taking the elements as your steps to come back to Jesus, who you know loves you. And God, we thank you now. Jesus, thank you for what you did, and we will remember your death on the cross. Amen. Table's open.